Can we turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 3? 1 Corinthians 3 in the New Testament. Paul writing to the Corinthian church. I'm going to read this before I get to that. Psalm 127, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And I've got a question to pose to you before I start speaking and preaching this morning. Who wants to be more effective in their lives? All of us. Okay. Who wants to go uh, to another level in the... Uh, in their, in their workplace, even in winning souls for Jesus. Hopefully that's all of us. And I want to talk about something this morning that I think if we grasp it, and I can't actually cover the whole subject in one Friday, but if we grasp this topic, it will change everything we do, and we'll see the fruit that God says we must have. In John 15 it says, you'll be known by your fruit that we are His disciples by showing the fruit of God on this planet. Now, the fruit doesn't look like worldly fruit. So it may not be a lot of money, whatever it is, but it, it looks like saying we, we are called as believers to be effective. And we've, we've been talking about advance, which can very kind of do, do work, do this. Do. And I want us to just take a step back and, and actually learn what it means to co-labor with Jesus. And so, many, and so often people have thrown this out in pre-meetings, I know I've even heard Rom say, thank you, Lord, that we're co-laboring with you. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I was like, I don't actually know what it means. <laughs> like, I kind of know what it means, but in reality, what does that mean? And, um, and I love this. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders labor in vain. And basically what that means is that unless God is doing something and God's adding life to something, we're actually wasting our time. And I was sitting with a pastor friend this week, and he says, he just, he came up with this line, and I was thinking about, okay, what, it was on Sunday night, I met with him, and I was like, okay, what am I going to preach on? And he says, it was Paul, the apostle, who wrote most of the New Testament, it was his greatest fear that he would actually do all the work that he did, and he would have done it in vain, which means he would have done it for no effect. And I'm saying, God, in this next season, and, and for the rest of my life, let me do stuff that is going to last into eternity, that is going to bring the fruit that God has and I want, to, I want us to come as a church down to a simple thing. Where we see the life of God, we build around that. Because what God is giving life to, for example, we care. For example, some of the initiatives we're doing in Sri Lanka and Nepal, that I'm talking internationally. Locally, what is God blessing? There's a, there's a ladies' prayer group that meets on a, when do they meet? Tuesday night. And all they do is pray together, but they've seen pe- people come to know Jesus, set free. There's the life of God in that thing. There's, I mean, there's lots of, hopefully everything we do is the life of God. And, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I was looking at open lounges and saying, God, is your life on this thing at the very moment? And even speaking to other guys and just saying, it's, it's not really. And I think we need to be open to, as a people, just wherever the river flows, we follow. Wherever God is doing something, we follow. Because we want to be effective. We want to be, and we don't want to be burnt out. I think God wants all of us as believers to work hard. Paul writes and says, and I'm going way past where I'm meant to go, right to the last page. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And, and his grace to me was with no effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in, within me. 
And I'm going to talk in the next few weeks about finding our grace zone. But I think before we even get to that, we have to understand what it means to co-labor with Jesus and to work alongside Him. So 1, 1 Corinthians 3.9. I hope I've got the right scripture here. Let's go from verse, verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now N.T. Wright is a Bible commentator and he says this. He says that it doesn't matter who brings you the food. It doesn't matter what the waiter looks like. The point is God is the one who brings the growth. And I know we go into a restaurant and I know it's good to have good service. But at the end of the day, you can have rubbish service but have incredible food and you're satisfied. And, uh, and I think it's, 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 it's what Paul's trying to bring into this thing. is like, don't worry about because no one can really get credit for the life of God. Anyone who stands up, they become conceited, they become vain, they become um, full of pride if they start taking the glory that's meant for God for themselves. Um, I planted... Uh, okay, let's go to verse... Where are we? For we are all God's... Verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are, are one, and each will receive his wages according to their labor. For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field and God's building. And that's just for me such a, a really, really simple thing. But the word workers there comes from the word Greek word synergos. You're going to learn a little bit of Greek today, okay? Is there any Greek people amongst us? No one. Okay, so if I say it wrong, then it's okay. It comes from two words. It's syn, S-Y-N, which means in to be union together, companionship, resemblance, process, possession, and beside accompany one another. And the second part is ergon, which means to toil and labor. Basically, God is our business partner. And uh, who, who's involved in business and have business partners? Can you raise your hands? So you know what it's like to be almost accountable to them. And, uh, and, but think about this. God is the greatest business partner that will ever be. He brings everything to the table. He has the most to lose. And His resources are, are, are in abundance. They never end. And I think we need to realize that when we partner with God, it's not that we, we're coming as equal partners. Jesus did everything. Jesus took me, plucked me out of my sinful state 14, 13 years ago, gave my life to Jesus, recommitted my life to Jesus. He's absolutely changed me. He's the one that, that brought me on a process, brought certain people across my path. He changed me to become what I'm walking in today. And I think everyone can, walk, can testify of that fact. It has nothing to do with us. But yet God calls us to work alongside Him. And for me, that's exciting because then I know it's not, it's, it's, I, can, I can put my effort totally and my energy into the wrong thing and there'll be no grace and there'll be no fruit. And I think as a church, God wants all of us to raise, He's wanting to raise the level of fruit in our lives. He's wanting all of us, if God says that we are called to God and make disciples of all nations, He's, he's calling all of us to have fruit and seeing people who don't know Jesus come to Him. It's, it's the normal Christian life. Somehow we've, we've given that over to churches. Come to the church. Come to him, my pastor. He may be dynamic. He may not. He may have a cool video. He may be a band or whatever. And then you may give your life to Jesus. Where That is not what I see in the New Testament. I see a missional church in the New Testament where every single person is empowered by the, by the Holy Spirit, is, is a self-feeder. It means he gets up in the morning. She gets up in the morning finds the Father, is, is listening to the Father's voice, grows in the Father, and then leads other people to Jesus. That is a normal Christian life. We cannot do that alone. We cannot 
If we try to do that alone, we have to rely on programs, we have to rely on a whole bunch of stuff, and we end up burning ourselves out. And I know that there's so many pastors across the world, and uh, there's been a a pastor that recently fell, and not for any moral reason, but just kind of just fell, and um, from leading the church. And it's because, in a lot of ways, he he did a lot of stuff in his own effort, and he burnt himself out. And I feel that as as believers, we need to learn what what it means to co work with God. Just a few scriptures. Mark 16, 20, it says, and the disciples went everywhere and preached. Okay, so they had their part to do. My role is to go everywhere and preach. Go make disciples of all nations, which means in your, in your context, the people around you, your, your influence is where you make disciples. It says, and the disciples, which is us, went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs can I say that as a church we are, we are going hard after in a lot of ways the presence of Jesus and the miraculous working of God because I don't see a New Testament that has, that has a, a really slick looking church where the, you, you get slotted into a program because if the power of God doesn't come and change people we're wasting our time if, if the power of God and the Holy Spirit doesn't come and fill us, we are wasting our time. 2 Corinthians 6, 1, it says, I love this. It says, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept the marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Colossians 2, 6 says, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to, continue to live your lives in Him. There's an in Christ and in Him that we're all meant to live in. We, God has called us to all be effective, to bear fruit, which I'm going to read now. And it's when we come to be in Him. Can we turn to John 15 quickly? I'm slowly realizing what it means to co-work with God. I don't think I'm there. Starla will know. Um, I still sometimes stress myself out about things or give my energy to things that I shouldn't be giving, as Mark would even be smiling right now. I'm like, I'm like out there this morning trying to fix the generator. Mark's like, I've got it. I've got it. I'm like, I feel like my presence there will, will try to fix it. You know what I mean? And I have, that, I have that very works mentality often, and I've needed to repent, and I've needed to say, God, I need to start operating in the area of gifting that you've called me to operate in so I can be effective. And I think it's the same for every single person. This standard stuff, as I've said this before, we're all servants of Jesus, we all love him, we all uh, are, are participants in the local church. That's all standard baseline Christianity 101. But I think for us to operate effectively as a church, it's when everyone is operating in their gifts. For example, Bruce has an incredible uh, gift of, of, what do we call it? Prophetic art. (laughs) A designer, photographer, film dude. And that, for me, it, it brings something to the local church, especially in this day and age that wasn't there before. And I think if we all all realize that we actually all have a part in this to play, this church will fire and pump forward. Um, John 15, 12. Let me just turn there. It says, uh, let's go from verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, you are my friends. Sorry, Ryan, I'm feeling a little bit. Um, 
This is, uh, it says in verse 14, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from the Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that fruit should abide or should last. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you'll love one another. So you can see a thing where, where Jesus is sitting in his last moments with his disciples. And he gives them the ultimate promotion. He says, listen, you were my, you were, you, I'm moving you from the place of being a servant to being my friend. Where you know what I'm thinking. Where you know that you actually, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Because we, we are in partnership. We are co-laboring together. And for me, I think, imagine being in that, in that room with Jesus. Something came alive in those, in those disciples where they ca- a lot of them were from like the lower end of society where they were looked down upon. They were either sinners or, or fishermen. or They weren't like these high and they weren't kings. They weren't business people, etc. Jesus gathers them in and he says, no, you are now in the inner circle. You are with me. You get access to the Father. And I want to read this, Matthew 7, 13. It says, enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. So basically it's talking about two different things, about salvation. There's this wide gate that everyone's going to enter through and it's easy to get to. It says in verse 14, For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and few find it. And I think so often, I know, I know friends and even that are part of different churches where they've taken the scripture and they think when you become a believer, it's your, your way is so narrow. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that it's narrow because when you have to enter into Christ, it means you have to surrender stuff. You have to surrender your old life. It means you have to repent of your sins. It means you have to walk away. But it's, it's almost like giving away something so small and, t- and temporary for the greater good. And the illustration for me, the way I think about it is this. Imagine you standing at, at this gate Say, so just imagine, we didn't have time to make props, okay? But imagine there's a door here. I'm sitting there with my gold ring, uh, however many carrots, very expensive, maybe a few diamonds. If guys wear diamonds, don't, okay? Just take, cut your finger off right now. I'm just joking. Um, anyway, so I'm sitting there with my expensive ring, and you're like, yes. And then the person at the door says, listen, give away this ring, and you can enter the other side of the door. And he said, do you know how much this ring costs me? Do you know what it's worth? Do you know how precious it is to me? But what we don't know is that other side of the door, there's streets of gold. And I think we've, we've so, and, and to the church's discredit, we've made church seem that it's not meant to be full of life. It says that the way is narrow that leads to life. So you've got this narrow path, but then there's a massive, the life of God. You enter into this massive playground in God. And the other way is obviously, so it's a wide way, but it leads to a narrow way, which is obviously destruction. And I say this is because we have to understand the life of God. Okay. There's a few paradigm shifts that, that goes from servant to king. Number one, servant to a friend. So there's, what I'm talking about now is that Jesus promotes from, from being a servant to a friend. So the first thing that happens is that we gain access to the Father. What an incredible thing. We, we are now part of the inner circle. Who has been excluded from something in their lives? It's not nice, eh? 
I've, I think I may have said this before, I wasn't, I was only really good in one sport. The rest, I was generally the guy last to be chosen. And, um, and uh, like, you kind of, you know what it's like to be out of that inner circle. And I think sometimes we can still do that today, even in church. But what Jesus does is that he invites his disciples into his inner circle. First of all, to have access to the Father. And I love this. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus paid the price for us to have access to the Father. Simple thing. Second thing that happens from being a servant to a friend, I experience changes. If you look at the uh, servants, they, uh, they don't have access in a personal realm to the master. They're very task-orientated and they're ruled by fear. Servants are ruled by fear. Then on the other hand, you have friends, which it actually comes about time and friendship. And I think if we want to learn to co-labor with God, we have to learn that we are now friends with God. He, Jesus has, has cut down the barrier so we can enter into his presence and hang out with Jesus. Jesus is calling us to be He's still Lord, he's still king, he's still in charge, but he calls us his friend. Can we turn to uh, Luke 10 verse 38? I want to read a classic example of this. Luke 10 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a, and a woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. And she said to her sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled by many things. But one thing, can we say that? One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. And you've got this, this scenario where Jesus goes into Mary and Martha's house, which was Lazarus's sisters. And uh, if, you, if you look at the context, it says that in John 11, it says that Jesus loved this family very much. He was very close to their heart. And he goes into this house and you have, you have Mary who goes and sits at the feet of Jesus and listens to his teaching and is absorbing everything. And then you have Martha, who runs around with trays of food, making, making sandwiches that Jesus did not order. And I think so much, I think, if, I have to, if, I'm, if I'm being vulnerable with you, so much of my life I've taken, and I think I've made sandwiches for Jesus that he never ordered. I get anxious about things that don't actually matter. And I think we need to learn to get back to, and it's just a really simple message this morning for me, just get back to the simplicity of intimacy. The simplicity of loving Jesus and knowing Him. And from that place, friendship, uh, fruit, everything flows out of that. Colin says this, If the devil can't kill you by getting you to do bad things, he will distract you and he will destroy you by getting, to, getting you busy doing good things. We wake up in the morning, and this is, I'm going to give a, a little scenario that sometimes happens with me. First thing I look at, Instagram kind of half asleep, one eye open, flicking through. And, uh, and, and before I know it, my day has been totally distracted. And I've had to come down and say, 
I need, in order for me to function at full capacity and, and run forward and see this church pump and see the city change and see lives change and see people's lives changed, I have to come down to one thing, and that's the int- intimacy with Jesus. And I know I've said this over the past few weeks, but it's a simple, simple thing. We need to get to know the Father. We need to get up in the morning, and we need to learn how to just spend time with Him and, and, and love on Him. God wants relationship. Someone said this, says, lovers, radical lovers get more done than workers. And so people who are, sit maybe on the more Martha side of the spectrum, can we be honest, who's that a little bit? No one's putting up their hand. It's clearly only me. Um, some of us who sit on that side are so busy doing things that we're not actually doing the thing that God has called us to do. And I think if we want to learn to collab with God, become, move from being a servant to being a friend, we have to get this thing and just sit at the feet of Jesus. So, so people who are Martha's, they're saying, well, nothing's going to get done. I think more gets done when we understand our position, first of all, in Jesus. And that's what Paul writes. He says, I work harder than everyone because of the grace that's working in and through me. Can we all pray together? We'll start a few things, get to that next week. And I want us to just just take a look in our lives and say, where have we put so much effort in and we're seeing no fruit? And I feel that God wants almost today for stuff to be ended. He's calling all of us to be fruitful. He's calling all of us to... To, 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 to have this fruit that abides that it speaks in John 15. Father, I pray that we would be a people that know your presence. God, we would be a people that, that love you, that honor you with our lives. And I just found a few prophetic things just while I was prepping Star sent me a text last night just about us walking into as a church in abundance abundantly more more than we can ever dream or want and I feel God and I'm not just saying this just to get you revved up but I feel God wants to blow some of our minds I feel that a lot of you have been trusting for stuff trusting God for things and I feel God wants to come in and he wants to bring breakthrough that you've never seen before you want it to bring fruit that you've never seen before, but it's not going to come from you trying to do more, trying to be more. It's going to come from a place that's going to be quite effortless. It's because you're going to learn how to link yourself with Jesus, the greatest business partner who's backed the company 100%, who's backed you 100%, who has, who has his reputation in some ways to lose because he's backed you so much. Father, I pray that you'd bring a sense of rest on us as a people. I pray, Lord God, that we would move from a place of works Christianity but to a place of favor where we work from favor and not for favor. When, when you sit with a friend, you sit with a father, you don't need to work for their favor. You just want to hang up and from that place of their presence, you can go and do. Father, I pray that this morning that there'd be a shift in our minds. 
there'd be a major shift that happens, God, where we move from a works mentality to a being at Jesus' feet mentality. Would you break any preconceived ideas? Maybe we've been taught over the years of who you are. And I pray, God, that we would look at you afresh this morning.